This is Ashley, and this is School in Life, a weekly podcast about life, love, and occasional libations. This week in Mentor Moment, I wanted to talk about four career trends that you can prepare for as you move into 2023. It's hard to believe that it's December and the end of the year, but new year, new blessings. And I think that there are some things that you want to prepare your career for as we move into the new year. There are lots of things that are driving these trends, including changes in the economy, changes in the work floors, and changes in different levels of staffing across different industries. But these are the trends that I see across all industries and trends that job seekers, people who care about their careers, folks who plan to advance their career um, or even retire in 2023 should be aware of. Number one is more accountability. While employees have driven employers to be more flexible as it relates to remote and hybrid work, employees, employees, employers, excuse me, are asking for more outcomes, more deliverables, and overall more accountability from staff. And so if you feel like this is already happening to you, if you feel like kind of your job is like a pressure cooker, they're like, you know, what are the outcomes? You know, what are the results? You know, let me see the data. I think we can expect even more of that. Um, In 2023, employers feel like they've given employees a lot of what they've asked for. Now they're asking for return on those investments, return on the investments of higher salaries, return on the investment of remote and hybrid work. You know, folks are really looking for increased accountability to honor what they feel like, what employers feel like they've given to staff over the last couple of years. You can expect more travel. Employers know that getting in front of their audience in person is critical. So expect more jobs to require in-person meetings, travel to connect with key stakeholders, in-person conferences, and events to engage audiences. So we're definitely going to see more travel. We're going to see more in-person events. I think that while employers absolutely see the benefits of hybrid and remote work, I think that they also recognize that someone has to get in front of the customer in person. And there's different departments that may or may not need to do that. But I definitely think we'll see more travel in 2023, more conferences, more events. And if you like that kind of thing, right? Like if you like to travel for work, if you like to kind of be in person connecting with people, this is definitely a positive trend that <clears throat> is on the horizon. Next up is a focus on equity and inclusion. More than black squares and diversity pledges, expect organizations to focus on equity issues related to pay, work hours, promotion ladders, and support from senior leadership. This is something that I'm already seeing a lot with my mentees. You know, I'm seeing more and more mentees step into DEI roles. And I'm seeing those roles demand and command the kind of respect, the kind of budgets to actually do real and meaningful work. And so I think we'll see an increased focus on equity and inclusion, and we'll start to see outcomes from the ERGs. We'll start to see outcomes related to pay equity. We'll we'll start to see more public Um, publicly sharing information about promotion ladders, you know, as there's, you know, organizations even thinking about unionizing, you know, and many employers wanting to avoid that, they're starting to be more flexible with workers about, or more intentional, I guess, with workers about their commitment to equity and inclusion and really showing up and driving results in those spaces. And so I think we can expect to see even more of that in 2023. 
And the final trend that I want to share here are loyalty incentives. The great resignation has left employers exhausted from turnover and low morale. So expect bonuses, expect free merch, expect, you know, interest in trying to match, you know, new offer considerations. Like if you are job searching and you get an offer, you know, expect organizations in matching that or trying to match it to keep you. Expect other incentives to move up within the organization. Definitely, you know, folks are, employers are trying to keep their best and brightest. And so if you are interested in that, definitely, you know, look out for those loyalty incentives or, you know, invite your organization to try to keep you with a competitive offer from another organization. Next up is I digress. And this week we're talking Firefly Lane. And moreover than the actual show, we're kind of talking about some of the themes of the show and what it brought up and some of the, I think, really strong themes that are that drive the show that you might look for in your own life. So Firefly Lane is a book that was actually adapted to a TV show on Netflix. Season one, I want to say came out last year in 2021. It was 10 episodes and season two just released in 2022 this winter. And it is the story of Kate and Tully, two friends who met each other when they were like, I want to say, maybe in middle school, they were neighbors from each other. And it kind of tells the story of their lives and them growing up over time. And so I think it's such an interesting show because it shows two friends from two totally different households and how that friendship and that relationship evolves over time. Kate is the kind of mousy, nerdy friend she has huge oversized glasses that cover up most of her face. She has a big brother who is gay, but kind of in the closet. She has a mom and dad that she lives with. And right across the street is Tully or Tallula is her full name. She's raised by a hippie sing- single mom, you know, across the street. And they they come together and, you know, hijinks ensue as they do in these kind of TV shows. The girls go on a quest to find Salula's dad. You know, they figure out how to find their first kiss, you know, how to, you know, get their first kiss. They talk about, you know, boys and their dreams of being journalists and a writer and, you know, just all the dreams and, and things that they have them for themselves. But the the show also really dives into themes around abuse, abandonment, dreams, hopes, jealousies, regrets, love, family, and betrayal. And it is a really beautiful story. I think first of friendship, which is why I really love it. I love like those kinds of those kinds of dramas that talk about friendship and relationships. So I love that kind of stuff. But I also really love one of the dynamic, a couple of the dynamics in the show that I'm going to talk about in I Digress today. So one of the one of the kind of themes of the show that I think really rings true is jealousy. And it's so interesting because in the first season, we see Mousy Kate, right? Like the kind of nerdy friend, very much jealous of her, you know, 
beautiful, blonde, tall friend with the hippie mom. You know, her mom's so cool. Her mom, you know, lets them do whatever. We see her jealous of her because she can, because boys like her, see her jealous of her because she has more freedom at home. See her jealous of her because she has like, you know, cool clothes and, you know, is kind of hip, right? We see that that jealousy. But in season two, we see, and even as they get older, right, we see Kate jealous of, you know, the fact that Tully's on TV and that, you know, she has more sort of visibility and notoriety and Kate's always in the background, always behind the camera. She's more of a writer for TV. So she's not the person who's on camera. She sees her, you know, you know, dating and having fun and sort of living free without a care in the world. Like she sees that carefree attitude. And so we see that throughout the, throughout the first season. And then in season two, we see Tallulah, Tully jealous of Kate. We see her jealous of, she has a stable home. We see her jealous that, you know, boys like her for her intellect, not just her looks. We see her jealous that she has more going on than just trying to deal with her you know, you know, mother who's addicted to drugs or her grandmother who is, you know, addicted to religion, right? We see her jealous of the relationship she has with her father. We just see all of these sort of jealousies kind of flip and flop and go the other way. And, you know, it reminds me of the single story, right? This idea that when we see someone or we see their story, story, we, it's so easy to be like, oh, it's this way, you know, they're this way. And and I was just kind of talking about this on Instagram the other day is that like, I I feel like I, when I see somebody's story, when I see somebody sharing their life on the internet or on TV, right? Like with these characters, I know that people are multidimensional. I know that people are multifaceted. I know that people have lots of intersections about who they are and how they show up in the world. And I know that they're not one dimensional. So I know whatever I'm seeing, there's more to the story. And I love seeing complex characters on screen too, because I think that it, it, you know, art imitates life. So, right, when we see complex characters on TV, it reminds us that people in real life and our everyday life are also complex. And I think that that's a good thing to be reminded of because it can be so easy to fall into a trap of, oh, you know, they're like this or, oh, you know, they're like that or they have it so easy or whatever. And maybe they do. Maybe they do have it so easy. And what you're seeing is like their actual real life. What also may be true is that they are a complex individual like most individuals are and that you're seeing a part and a side of them, which is a good thing. Like we should see the happy. We should see the glamorous. Like that's a good thing for us to see. I think that that's inspiring. I think it's encouraging. I think that it is. It's it's good to see. And also we should be reminded that the people are dynamic, that people are comprehensive, that people are complex, right? And I love the stories here where, where it just talks about how complex these characters are. One of the other themes in the, the TV show that I really love is around forgiveness. And there's this, there's this episode, actually, it's a whole episode in season two, where they talk about if you really love someone, you never have to apologize, right? That in love, in love, there's no apologies, right? Like when you're in love, when you love someone, the, the apology is known. So even if you mess up, even if you make a mistake, when you love someone, 
apology isn't necessary. It, it's just known, you know, you, you know that they're sorry, you know, that they made a mistake. They know they made a mistake and you can kind of go on and forgive them and move on. And there's no need for apology. Right. And that's how they live there. That's how they experience their friendship. They never had to apologize. They always came back to each other, you know, through, you know, lying on each other and through not supporting each other. And then through you know, maybe even betrayal about around boys or whatever, you know, they never had to apologize. They were always able to come back together and forgive one another. But, and this is a spoiler, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. There, there, there's an experience that happens in season two near the end of season two, or and they're foreshadowing it the whole season, but there's an experience that happens at the end of season two. And, and there's something that happens between Kate and Tully where Kate feels like it's unforgivable, right? Kate feels like I can't forgive you for this. It's unforgivable. There's no way that we can come from back from this. And she cuts her off. She cuts her off. She doesn't talk to her. She distances herself and she's really angry. And, you know, I think that that anger is righteous and justified. And what's interesting is that they had gone their entire friendship, right? They had gone 40 something, you know, 30 something years being friends, never apologizing to each other, never saying, I'm sorry. It was so foreign to them that when it came time, when they had a big riff and it really came time to apologize, when it really came time to say, I'm sorry, when it really came time to, you know, honor each other's like experiences and, and not, like honor each other's experiences and really practice forgiveness. They couldn't do it because they hadn't practiced that. They hadn't known a relationship that included forgiveness because it was always automatic. And I thought that that was a really good theme to explore because I don't know about you all, but I believe in redemption. I believe in forgiveness. I believe in the pattern of like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that to you, or I did mean to do it. I knew it would hurt you, but I'm still wrong. (laughs) You know, saying I'm sorry, apologizing early and often, like that's a big part of my sort of the way I operate. And I think that forgiveness is a central part of love, you know? And so I think that in a relationship where you never felt like you had to forgive anybody in a relationship where you never had to say, I'm sorry, no wonder that when one of the biggest rifts of your life come up, you guys can't repair it because you didn't have a practice of forgiveness in your relationship. You didn't have a practice of I'm sorry, the relationship. It sounds like, I mean, definitely there was a lot of grace in the relationship, right? There was a lot of grace and kind of, you know, internal forgiveness and grace, but I don't think it was public. And so when it, when it was finally public, it just wasn't, they didn't have the practice to actually, they didn't have the the chops. They didn't have the skill to really forgive. And I think that that was a really powerful theme that I think went throughout the show. And there are lots of themes, like I said, you know, abuse, abandonment, dreams, hope, jealousy, regrets, forgiveness, love, family, betrayal. But I talked about the, the theme of jealousy, talked about the theme of forgiveness. And the the last one that I want to talk about is the dream or the, the theme of conformity, because I thought that this was a really beautiful theme that came up in the show. As I shared, the brother, Kate's brother is gay. He was sort of closeted throughout his adolescence, you know, in his early like 20s, 
his lover or, you know, guy that he was dating died. They don't ever say how, but, you know, they, they say he died and he said, I got scared and I just married a woman. And so he got married and I think that, you know, had like a couple kids, maybe one or two kids. And, and then in his late thirties, early forties, he finally comes out to his parents and moves out of the house with his wife and, you know, starts, you know, publicly dating men. And it was this pressure, right. To conform it was this pressure to like, you know, please his dad. It was this pressure to not disappoint his mom. You know, this pressure, this pressure of conformity really was a, was a bold theme throughout the show with, you know, Tully, it was a, the pressure to conform to how people saw her. So people saw her as this bombshell. They saw her as this, you know, I guess preppy, you know, whatever, you know, cheerleader type. And she wasn't like that, but she felt pressured to perform some of that. And, and, and that got her in a lot of trouble, of course. For Kate, it was a pressure to conform as the understudy of Tully. So it was like all of this, all of this energy around, like, you know, it was coupled with the jealousy of like, you know, I want to be like you, you get all the boys, you get all the attention, but it was also this, this conformity of, oh, I'm just the friend of the popular person. Like, you know, even when it wasn't true, even when she could shine on her own, she would always shrink under the conformity of sort of how other people saw her. And so it just was really interesting. I think and even, you know, some of the other characters, and when you watch the show, you'll you'll be able to really see this theme shine. So many of them were just conforming to their circumstances, right? And so, again, I think that art imitates life. So, like, how many times have you just shrunk because people had low expectations of you? Or how many times have you acted out of character because you felt like you didn't know how else to respond to a situation, right? We're often conforming. So the situations around us when we feel trapped and when we feel like we don't know what else to do because we're following a theme. And if you haven't watched the show already, I don't think I spoiled it too much. There are a couple spoilers in there, but I don't spo- haven't spoiled it too much. I think that if you like like drama, if you like stories about love and friendship and, and complicated and complex people, I definitely encourage you to watch the show. It's called Firefly Lane. It has se- two seasons on Netflix. It's a great bingeable show. Um, And I think that you'll really get a lot out of it. There's also a book by the same name by Kristen Hanna. And so if you are more of a book girl and you want to dive into the book, definitely encourage you to check that out as well. And I digress. And in TVT this week, since we already talked about Firefly Lane, we won't have a robust TV series, but I did hear also on Netflix, Blood and Water is back. For Firefly Lane, I think that they're going to put out like a final episode or maybe a final two or three episodes in June of 2023. So I will be waiting with bated breath. And Hulu's Home Makeover comes back featuring Studio McGee that comes back this week, I think as well. So lots and lots of good stuff on Netflix. I don't know about you all, but the Christmas movies can be super cheesy during this time. So if you need an outlet from watching too many Christmas movies, there's some good other good stuff on Netflix. I will say though, however, 
I did watch Single All the Way, which I think came out over the last like two years, maybe 19, 20 or 21. But Single All the Way is a holiday movie that is super duper cute. It's so cute. I watched it for the first time a couple of days ago and it's adorable and I would strongly recommend it. It's a cute holiday movie that is is of course predictable in the way the holiday movies are, but has enough hijinks to keep you plugged in. Definitely would recommend that one. That wraps up this week's episode of School and Life. Thanks so much for listening. School's out. Class dismissed.